You are listening to a message from Life City Church Houston. For more information about our church, visit our website at lifecitychurchhouston.org. And now with you, today's message. 22, 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2, 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 and 2. In thinking of what I was going to share today, I usually speak and preach the same message uh, in all three services. Uh, today I just felt something different for this service. And uh, I want to share that with you. First Samuel chapter 22 verse 1 and 2 says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress, in debt, or discontent. Anybody feel like that today? Gathered around him. I mean, that's not kind of the friends I'd like to have in my moment. Hello? Hello? I'd like to have somebody there that's anointed, that's going to pray for me, that's going to, hey, man, you can do it, God with you, you know, let go, let God, you know what I'm saying? This dude is, well, I'll, let me, I'll explain in a minute, but these are the friends that showed up, distressed, in debt, and discontent, gathered around him, check this out, and he became their commander, about 400 men were with him, you may be seated. I'd like to speak for a few moments, using as a subject, don't cave in. Don't cave in. Turn to somebody next to you and say, look, man, I don't know what you've been going through, but this is not the time to cave in. Anybody ever feel like that? I have felt like that lots of times where I just feel like I want to cave in. Like this is done, this is over. And as we read this passage, look at the friends that David has. Come on, I'm, I'm all messed up emotionally and I'm running, I have to find myself hiding in a cave, and I would think you'd show up and say, man, give me a high five, God sent me to let you know, yet he's got people that are discontent, he's got people that are in distress, he's got people that are in debt, he's got people in there that are worse than what he's in, don't cave in, I don't know if you know the difference between a normal piece of coal and a diamond. A normal piece of coal and a diamond. And before I give you that explanation, I, I want you to understand something that God has made you to be a diamond. God wants to make you a diamond. Okay. The rest of you can stay as coal. And there... There's only two differences between a coal and a diamond. Time and pressure. Those two things make the difference between being an ordinary piece of coal and being a diamond. Time and pressure. You see, diamonds are formed out of ordinary coal. They are maintain, listen closely, in a state of high pressure in the earth for a long period of time. High pressure 
for a long period of time. Anybody feel that way? That you feel like you're in high and a lot of pressure and like this pressure? I mean, like when is this going to end? When is this going to quit? And if you're supposed to be a diamond, a diamond always starts off with the ordinary. And you wouldn't know that there's a diamond there by seeing it in its initial state. Hello, somebody. You wouldn't know that it's a diamond when you see it in its initial state. And you can't judge my destiny by my start. Just like you can't judge a diamond in its beginning because it looks like coal. You can't judge me and where God is taking me from where I'm starting. Hello, somebody. Because what I can become is not determined by where I started. Okay? A diamond is in the earth under pressure. In other words, in order to become a diamond, I have to go through some times of dust, dirt, and filth. And to become a diamond means that I have to submit myself to be in situations that are not pleasant or desirable. Anybody been there? I've been there many a times. And because you've been there, then you're diamond material. Tell somebody next to you, I'm diamond material. Tell them, and I know I'm diamond material because I've gone through some and enough unpleasant situations. I, I, I've been a, a long time under much pressure. Hello, somebody. And if I could tell you is that I believe God today, like I told you, I usually preach the same sermon in all three services, but today I just felt nudged, I don't know why, to go out of what I'm preaching in, in, in the other two services to preach in this English service something a little different because I, I'm here, I believe, as an assignment from God to tell you that your time of pressure and your time of being buried in the dirt has come to an end and the diamond that is in you is about to shine. If you believe that, can you say amen? Can you say thank you, Jesus? When we get to our passage, our main passage, we find ourselves with our main character that has the name David. David finds himself dealing with a lot of pressure. David finds himself in pressure after being anointed king. You see, when God gives you an assignment, and it's a big assignment, a great assignment, you're going to feel some of that pressure. Hello? See, David finds himself in this cave because he's running from Saul who's trying to kill him. This persecution has gotten the best of David. Are there any things that you can go back in life and remember that it almost got the best of you? David has been anointed king, but he's running. 
having to find a place to hide himself. And running from King Saul has gotten the best of him. Nothing is working. Every plan, every idea, every decision that he has taken has not worked. Anybody here can say, you're talking to me. You're parked right in front of my house. He now feels that he has to take matters into his own hands. He feels that I need to help God because God is just not like we're not seeing eye to eye here. And so he takes matters into his own hands. He's no longer consulting with God. He's no longer seeking God. Everything that he is doing, he's doing his own way and in his own opinion. And as a result, nothing is working or functioning. David finds himself now hiding in a cave. Nothing that I planned worked out. Nothing that I wrote down that I believe was of God is working out. Anybody been there? And you've got to understand that just because it's not working out, it doesn't mean that it's not God's plan. There is a process in everything that God is trying to teach you. You're not just an ordinary piece of coal. Remember, you are a diamond. You're about to shine. Your worth is going to be more at the end of the process than at the beginning. And even though at the beginning it seems like you're just dirt, like you're just dust, like you're nothing, do not allow your beginning state to define the future that God has for you. Do not def let the beginning small state define you and compare you and tell you that you're not the big diamond that God has for you. But there's a process in that. There are things that God has to deal with you in all of that. And David takes matters in his own hands and runs and finds that he has no longer any more solutions and, and, and resources that he could depend on. And he finds himself in a cave. And he's in a cave because... He feels that all his options are gone. I've been there many a times. I feel that everything is finished. And to understand a little bit of David's anguish and how David feels. David writes Psalms 142 and he describes the emotional almost breakdown Psalms 142 is a psalm that he wrote in the cave. And he describes how he feels. How everything seems to be falling apart. He even describes that he feels like maybe God's not even here anymore. Maybe God doesn't love me anymore. Maybe God is not even in this picture anymore. Has anybody felt like that? And David has lost so much. He has lost a lot of relationships that he has built throughout the years and established close relationships. David no longer has his wife with him. David no longer has his best friend, Jonathan, with him. 
David no longer has the prophet of God that would speak to him and guide him and tell him, thus saith the Lord, is no longer with him. David no longer has his advisors that would counsel him. They're no longer with him. And as a result, David flees to the desert. He finds a cave and shuts himself there trying to save whatever's left of him to keep him from going crazy. Anybody been there? Finds himself in a cave and maybe, maybe today you're feeling like David. Maybe today you're feeling that you're about to lose it all. Maybe you feel today that you're out of options. And maybe you came even today saying, I, I don't know what else to do. Everything that you've tried has not worked. Hello. Everything that you dreamed has not worked. Everything that you planned uh, for this year because you felt this is the year that you're supposed to move forward. And all of a sudden, it seems like everything that you planned, everything you want to do for God, the doors are closed and, and no is the answer. And, and, and it doesn't seem that, 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 that you, you, know, you, you can even move forward. You, you feel discouraged and, and you don't know what to do. As a matter of fact, there comes a point in your life, I don't know if you've been there, I have been there, where you, you don't want people to bother you you don't want to talk to nobody you don't want nobody to visit you you don't want even to read them to read the bible to you you don't even want them to quote scriptures to you you don't even want them to pray for you the only thing that you want is to be left alone anybody been there signs of almost depression the discouragement takes you to that point where you lose faith in, in the vision and in the destiny that God has placed in your life. And, and the only thing you want is, is to cave in. And David finds himself in a cave called the cave at Adullam, living in a dark dungeon, dungeon of despair. And, and it's easy to be convinced, listen closely, that your present state will be determined and will determine your destiny when you're emotionally washed and you're emotionally beat up, when you're emotionally wasted. Your emotions are not a healthy counselor when you're in distress, when you're discouraged. And your emotions can, can, can lie to you and can begin to tell you that, that your present state is what's determining your future and just determining your destiny. And the devil will take advantage of those low moments in your life. And he'll take advantage to make you believe that God has forgotten you. That God has, has put you aside. That God is no longer interested. And that what God promised you is not true. But I've come to tell you today that I wish you could learn to shame the devil. And you could tell him, I am not determined or I am not defined by where I'm at. I am determined and I am defined by what I believe God says about me. And I hold on to his promises. I hold on to what he told me. I hold on in the midst of everything that seems to be going chaotic and not going in my favor. I've been there many a times. Things crash in your life and all of a sudden the vision that God gave you and the desire to do something great for God is tarnished by people that don't see what you see. Hello? That can understand that God gave me this. I've been there. I remember being a youth director for our district that was, before it was um, uh, what we are now, it, it was 
a lot bigger, four times actually bigger. I remember praying for our youth conventions. I remember seeking God for that. And I remember going to my leaders or my, my counselor for the, for the leaders and departments and tell them this is what I believe God gave me. And in one minute they tell me no. They'll be able to say, wait, 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 wait a minute. The least you could do is take this and pray about it. It took me fasting. It took me prayer. And you're going to tell me in one minute, no? Hello? Sometimes you find yourself that those that you were hoping would catch your vision, you were hoping that would be instruments of God, would be there to, to help you get to your destiny faster, but on the contrary, they, they seem to, to, to close the doors. They, they, they seem to put too much red tape, and they, they seem to put uh, more uh, of the logistics than, than the prayer and, and the fasting to see if this is something that, that we need to do so that the ministry could go forward, so that the vision you have could go forward, so that the business you have could go forward, so that the plans that God gave you could, could go forward. And it seems that all of a sudden you're surrounded by people that are in distress, people that are in debt, and people that are never happy or content with anything. I mean, I, I, what, what can I tell you? You know, you, you're more discouraged than I am. How can I tell you, can we fund this? You're so in debt. You're running over here because the debt collectors are after you. And how can I tell you, you're never happy with anything. You're so discontent of everything. And I find myself, okay, I could deal with one or two of you. I could deal with maybe two or three of you. And, and I can deal with maybe five of you. But I've got 400 of you. What do you do? I mean, some of you are just dealing with your boss. Some of you are just dealing with one or two co-workers. Hello. Here's David caved in and he has 400 people. That are not there to help him out. David finds himself in a situation where the enemy wants to make him believe that what I promised you, what God promised you is not true. David finds himself in a situation that Satan takes advantage of to let him know whatever you were dreaming, it's too big and, and, and you're never going to see that dream become a reality. David finds himself in a cave where there is nothing there, to be honest with you, to encourage him. But I wish I could find somebody here today that could say, I, I am not determined by where I am. I can be in a hole, but that doesn't determine who I am. I may not be where I should be right now, so don't prejudge me at the moment. God's not done with me yet. God has a way out, and God has a way of dealing with me in my situation to make his plan, because I've got to understand, if it's God's plan, God is going to make it happen. If it's God's vision, God is going to bring it to a reality. If it's a God dream that he put in you, God will supply and God will make a way. And all we've got to do is to trust God and believe God. David could also say, hey, it's over. 
But I believe he learned from Habakkuk in chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, that though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the the stalls, though I have 400 men that are in distress, 400 men that are discontent, 400 men that are in, in, in debt, he could say like Habakkuk, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Psalm 34 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall be continually in my mouth. There's one thing that David was he was a psalmist, he was a singer, he was a praiser. Psalms 103 verse 1 through 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives you all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. There's one thing you need to learn to do when you feel like you're caved in is to learn to praise God. That's all you can do, then just learn to praise God. Even when you find yourself in a cave, it's a cave where Satan, listen, would want you to lose your mind. It's a cave where Satan would want you to lose your faith. It's a cave where Satan would want you to lose your praise, to lose your prayer life, to lose your stability, to lose your sanity. But I want to encourage someone today. David is in the cave because he has been anointed for a divine assignment. Are you listening? He runs to the cave, but on his life, he is, has an anointing and a calling and a divine assignment to be king. I'm here to tell somebody that the reason why Satan is trying to to make you cave in is because he knows there's a divine assignment on your life. Are you listening? And Satan knows that you are the greatest threat to him if God's purpose and is, is fulfilled in your life and you reach that destiny. He knows that you've been anointed for greatness. Hello, somebody. He knows that you've been anointed for greatness and that you have a divine assignment. He knows that you will be his worst nightmare if you can just get to your destiny sometimes your own enemies carry your own last name hello somebody you got to learn not to curse the cave you're in don't curse the cave you're in I don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. But don't curse it because God is using the cave to teach you some lessons. Hello. To prepare you to get to your destiny and to fulfill his great purpose. So don't curse it. There are some things that we must learn from David And that we can learn as well when we are in our cave. Today I'll just share one with you. 
The first thing that you've got to understand is that even in the cave, you can find God there. Even in the cave, you can find God there. And the reason that you are surviving this season of your life, being in the cave, is because His presence has been there. God has not left you. I said His presence is there and God has not left you. There are three songs that David wrote while he was in the cave. It's Psalms 34, it's Psalms 57, and it's Psalms 142. And the reason David finds himself in the cave is because he feels alone. He feels like he has no one to go to. He's in the cave because... He even feels that God has left him. But yet, it's there in the cave where God begins to talk to David. It's there in the cave where David understood that he was really not alone. It was there in the cave where he understood Sometimes in the cave, it's the only place where you can be alone with God. Hello, somebody. When everyone has left you, when you can't find your friends, when you can't even find your pastors, the good news is God is still there. He has not left you. He is there. He has not left you. And I believe there's some people sitting in your row that could testify today and say, even though everyone seems to have left me, God surprised me because God showed up and God sustained me when no one was around. Listen, I mentioned to you that David has lost his best friend Jonathan. David has lost Samuel, the prophet that would guide him and instruct him. David has lost his advisors. And sometimes, listen closely, God has to take people away from your life that were closest to you, that even you depended on them to learn to totally trust in God. Hello, somebody. And know that there are some things that only God can do. You would never know that God could change a situation unless you confronted it and it didn't want to change. You would never know that God could change people unless God allowed those people with dirty, nasty attitudes with no vision whatsoever, consideration, and see how God can turn things around. You would never know that God could heal your body unless you had a sickness so that God could prove himself faithful and as your healer. You would never know that God could supply your need unless God allowed seasons in your life where the income was low so that you would see that God has ways of meeting those needs. And up to now, you have a roof over your head. You have clothes on your body. You have food in your stomach. Well, vegetables because you should be in the fast. God is a faithful God. And sometimes God has to weed out people in your life 
for a season, for a moment, so that you could understand that I am in control. I am your God. And when there's no one around, I am still around. You'll have people around you when they are, when you're doing good. But when, when you're doing bad, where are the people then? And God is still faithful. God still shows himself faithful because God wants to show you that only he can do certain things and you need to learn to trust God. It's in the cave where David now can make things right with God. Hello? It's in the cave where you have moments of reflection and you have time to see that the decisions you made and the runs that you made and the things that you did were not within God's will. It's in the cave where God gives you an opportunity first to be with him and to be able to make things right with God. It's, it's, it's in the cave because it's in the cave where you begin to find out who you really are. It's in the cave where God begins to reveal in your life the things that need to be fixed. It's in the cave where you begin to understand that God is merciful. Hello, somebody. It's in the cave that you find out that, that God can forgive your sin and can forgive the mistakes. But, 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 but these are things that, that we only learn inside the cave. And it's in the cave where you begin to know God's mercy. Psalms 57, which he wrote in the cave. Be merciful, merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for my soul thirsts trust in you. A and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. Psalms 142, which is one of the psalms that he wrote in the cave. He's saying, with my, my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. Let me give myself, is what he's saying. Let me turn everything over to you. And let me cry out to you. And, and, and I know that you're merciful. I know that you have mercy. I know that your love endureth forever. And, and so it's there in the cave where he's writing these psalms and saying, I understand that God in the cave can deal with me, can deal with my issues. God can deal with my doubts. God can deal with the errors and the mistakes that I've made. God can deal with me and make things right. David runs to the cave of Adullam. And the cave of Adullam, listen closely, it's, it's 12 and a half miles southeast of Bethlehem. So if you would look on a map, you would find that Adullam is in the region of Judah. God knows where to meet you. God will guide you even when you're running. He'll guide you to where he knows your strength is. David is a worshiper. David knows how to worship God. David's strength is in his worship. David's identity is found in his worship. David has learned to be a worshiper. David knows that in his worship, evil spirits will leave. David knows that he's a worshiper and there's power in his worship. 
and the enemy would try to make you flee and run. But even when you're running and wanting to hide, God will use those circumstances that are pushing you to run. He'll even use those circumstances to push you to run to your strength. The mistake that the enemy did with David was to make him run to Judah. You make me run somewhere else and you got me. You make me run somewhere else and you can take over. You make me run somewhere else and, and, and I'm cooked and you stick a fork in me. I'm done. But the last place you want to take me is to what I am known for doing. The last thing where you, last place you want to take me is where my strength comes from. The last place that you want to take me, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The last place you want to push me in my time that I feel discouraged is to the place where God strengthens me and Satan pushed him to run but God guided him to go to the cave in a doolum that is found in Judah the place of praise somebody say amen when he gets to Judah you know what that means in his psalm listen after he's asking for mercy in Psalms 57 which is one of his psalms listen David enters into a prophetic praise. Remember, David's strength is his praise. And even though the Satan is trying to discourage him, God says, if I'm going to discourage you, if Satan's going to discourage you, I'm going to make sure that he discourages, tries to discourage you in your place of strength. You know, there's some people that because it's your strength and because that's your surrounding you're always doing that. People that clean, it doesn't matter. Now, my wife, I'm like, I don't know if I should tip the waiter or tip you. Because when we go to eat, she'll clean the table when we're done. She'll stack all the plates in one plate. She'll put everything together, get all the napkins, put them together. The only thing that waiter has to do is just pick up the bottom plate and everything else is done. But that's, that's her lifestyle. In the spiritual part, she loves to sing. And so, there's always music in the house. Okay? She's an early bird. And I'm awoken sometimes by the music in her phone. It's five in the morning. But you go into the house. when we leave, There's music. KSBJ is on there in the radio upstairs. Bishop probably knows all the songs. Bishop, by the way, is our dog. Because that's your lifestyle. So when trouble comes, when sickness came, when PJ, we lost her and she was five and a half months, everything that came out of her mouth was praise. Because that's your environment. That's what you are. And the enemy would want to steer you away from that, but God is still in control that even though the enemy is thinking that you're running away, God is making you run to your place of your strength. You may be in a cave, but you're in Judah because Judah, praise, is your strength. And even in the cave in Psalms 57, all of a sudden, David begins to get an urge and a presence of God upon his life that after complaining and saying, my life is a mess, all of a sudden his praise bursts out and begins to begin to speak in a prophetic praise 
In Psalms 57, I close with this. Come on, musicians. He begins to stop his crying and his moping because he finds himself in his strength and he begins now not only to praise God but the anointing on his life allows him to begin to prophetically praise God and in Psalms 57 6 and 8 he says they have set a net for my steps my soul he says it's brought down listen they dug a deep hole in front of me but they themselves have fallen into it. Notice the difference. When you read Psalms 142 and you start reading this psalm, there is a difference. Psalms 142, he's crying. Psalms 142, he's throwing a pity party. Psalms 142, he's saying, it's done. Where are you? But in Psalms 57, he begins to change it. And he says, even though they dug a deep hole in front of me, they themselves have fallen into it. Verse 7, my heart will not be moved, oh God. Hello? That, that, that doesn't sound like the David that we find caving in at the beginning. He says, my, my heart will not be moved, oh God. My heart cannot be moved. Notice the difference. He says, it's not going to be moved, but then he says, hey, 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 hey. It cannot be moved. And then he says this, I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises. He goes, I got to turn this baby around. I didn't know that this cave is, in, is close to Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is in Judah. I didn't know that I am in my place of strength. I didn't know that I am in the place of my calling. I didn't know that I'm in the place. God has brought me to the place where I know what I can do. And he begins to praise God, and he says, yes, I will sing praises. Awake, my shining greatness. Awake, harps. I will awake early in the morning you see there is power of life or death in your words and he arises and he begins to wake everything up he says wait a minute he says whoa 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 what am i what i, I, I can praise god I, i'm in judah he says i will sing he says, awake, my shining greatness. Wake up. It's like, like, in one of the psalms that he writes, out of the many psalms that David writes, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. I read one of them. And forget not, psalms, one, psalms 103, forget not any of his benefits. It's like, He's talking to his soul. He's talking to himself. He's like, snap out of it. Get a grip. Soul, get a grip. Don't forget the things that he has done. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that's within me, bless his holy name. He's doing a check. He's awakening those things that seem to have died. Awake, harps. That's what he played. He's saying, wait a minute. It's time to get 
the harp back in my hands. Are you listening? It's time to go ahead and sing. It's time to do what God's called me to do. I've come to tell somebody today, I don't know in the cave that you're in, but it's not the moment to drop your harp. It's not the moment to shut your mouth. It's not the moment to stop raising your hands. It's not the moment to stop giving God glory. It's in that cave that you get what God has trusted in your hands and begin to do it with all your might. If it's to teach, teach. If it's to preach preach if it's the dance dance if it's the sing sing if it's the play play but that's the moment that you need let what God gave you come out because there's power or death of death or life in the words you begin to he begins to prophesy he begins to speak his ministry he begins to speak to his abilities. He begins to speak to his talents. He begins to speak to his circumstance. Because in the cave, God will have moments and he says, you're not alone. Use what I gave you. Because sometimes we tend to lose sight of what God has given you because we tend to depend on other people. That we begin to forget to use what God gave us. And sometimes God will take you to a cave to bring back, to awaken back the spunk, the tiger, the lion that's in you. Because sometimes it's in the cave where that has to come out because that's the only thing you got left. Hello. And he begins to speak prophetically. And he begins to speak. I will not be moved. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises. Awake my shining greatness. Awake harps. I will awake early in the morning. Some of y'all need to enter into a prophetic season using your mouth to, to prophesy over, over that situation. You need to use the strength that God has given you and use the power that God has given you and use the word that God has given you and you need to begin to prophesy over your children. You need to arise and wake and begin to speak over your job. You need to arise and wake and prophesy greatness over your spouse. You need to arise and wake and begin to speak in, uh, increment and income over your finances. You need to arise and begin to uh, begin to speak health over your body and prophetically begin to speak healing over that. You need to arise and wake, wake up and begin to prophesy over your home, over your business, over your studies, over your school, over your college, whatever it is. Arise and wake up and begin to prophetically. Would you stand to your feet right now? I, I know you might find yourself at the beginning of the year with dreams and visions and goals and we're only two weeks into the month and you kind of find yourself already looking for a cave and the people that you thought you could trust to encourage you, to help you carry the vision out maybe were the same ones that gave you the cold shoulder gave you the no said not this time 
but it's a season early in the year that God wants you to know there's some things that only God can do. And sometimes God just wants to spend that time with you. But yet God is letting you know whatever you have, whatever I deposited in you, use it. Use it. David played the harp and David sang. And all of a sudden, he understood. Even in my cave, I can use what God gave me and get out of this. I close with this. Remember, he was surrounded by 400 people. I mean, when he shook everything off and began to use what God had given him, he turned those 400 people that were distressed, in debt, and discontent, they became David's mighty army. It was that army that gave David the victories when he became king. It was that army that conquered cities. That army of people, but he would have never been able to do that unless he understood. God can speak to me and God is with me in this cave. And God is encouraging me to use the ability, the ministry, and the talent that he gave me during this time of my cave. Awake. This is not the time to be discouraged. Not the time to put your head down. This is the time, if there's ever a time, this is the time to get active again. This is the time to put your ministry back to work. This is the time to say, hey, what can I do? I'm not going to let the enemy shut me down. I'm in this cave, and God is asking me to put back to use that which he gave me so that I can come out of the cave but transform everybody and everything that was in that cave with me. Satan would want you to cave in. Satan would want you to throw in the towel and cave in. But in the cave, God is letting you know, I'm there with you. And I deposit some things in you. I know you've been under a lot of dirt, a lot of mess, or whatever. But you're about, almost, you're right there. All that pressure. All that time. It's about to end. And you're about to be the diamond that I created you to be. Your time to shine is this year. Favorable year of the Lord. As I sing this song, I want to invite you for a few minutes to this altar. And I want you to say, God, help me. Help me while I'm in this cave to activate the gifts, talents, ministry, abilities that you've given me so that I can encourage others that are in this cave. Would you come? It'll be a moment for you. Ask God, where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to move? I'm not going to cave in. You want to remind me of the strength that I have. You want to remind me of the ministry you've deposited in me. You want to remind me you want to take me to another level. Oh, it 
chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99, and I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. your heart, the moment to make it right with God. There's a moment, it's in these moments that God has allowed in your life. The new year to fix things that need to be fixed, to mend things that need to be mended, restore relationships that have been broken because of Relationships that were severed because of misunderstandings. Relationships that were broken because of lack of unforgiveness. This is the time. This is the time to cave in. The time to look at your finances. Budget yourself. You can rise again. You had that business. You had that job. This is the moment not to cave in. Say, God, take all the resources that you've given me and stir them back up in my life. I want to use it. I'm not going to let the enemy rob from me my destiny, and I'm not going to lack in fulfilling my purpose. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God will meet that need. There's a purpose. God will meet that need. In the name of Jesus.
because there are lives depending on your active ministry. Are you listening? There are people dependent. Their change, their transformation, their being set free, them arising to be a strong army is dependent on God using your ability, God using your gift, God using your talent. David arose in a 400-man army that was in debt, distressed, and discontent came out with fire. Don't cave in. Arise. Bring it out. It's not worth it to cave it in. Activate your ministry. Activate your gift. Come talk to us and say, Pastor, I can do this. I can do that. Whatever, whenever. Let me know when I can be of service. I'm not caving in here. And if you came in, came into the right cave right here to encourage you to let you know this isn't the place when you walk out go influence go impact your generation go impact your workplace go impact your school go impact wherever you go use what God has given you for the glory of God one last thing is there somebody here that says pastor I just this is a year where I, I, I'm about to cave in but I I hear you I'm not going to cave in. I understand that the victory is when I use what God gave me and I can come out victorious. Is there anybody raise their hands? I want to say a prayer with you today. Everybody's fine. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Thank you. We're not going to cave in. On the contrary, David, because of everything that was going on, had forgotten that there was a king inside that cave there was a diamond inside that cave today we're reminded our time to shine has come our time to shine arise O shining greatness we want to use that which you have given us for your honor for your glory we want to be Satan's worst nightmare 
So we arise in the mighty, marvelous, matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen.